Welcome to another episode of the Childhood Evolved podcast. I'm your host, Teacher Alex. As I say on each episode, it was not that long ago in our history as human beings that the state of childhood was not seen, was not considered to exist at all. So people who thought differently from the pack and who cared deeply were able to see the future, or at least a possible future, if they were willing to become vulnerable and to keep trying. And so bit by bit, things changed, things evolved to the point that they're at today. And the idea is for us to keep going, to keep pushing things forward, to keep pulling one another into this future, into this possible reality. This podcast exists to bring these topics into the light and to unpack them. I don't have all the answers, but I do have many questions that require answering. And much of the time, as a conversation unfolds, what blossoms is not only answers, but more questions and more potential conversations. Welcome to the show. So if you're enjoying the show and you're proud to be a member of our community of listeners, I'd really like to encourage you to do a couple of things that will really just help the show grow and to reach a wider audience. The first thing is please leave us a review or at least just put some stars up, whether you're on iTunes or Spotify or wherever, because the more reviews we get, the more that we will be boosted up in the search results when people are looking for a new show to listen to. And so the more ratings we have, the better things will be for the show. The other thing I'd like to ask is that you check out my Patreon account if you haven't already. And that's found at www.patreon.com slash childhood evolved. Patreon is a way for people to get a little more involved, to show their support, and to have access to different kind of things that I'll provide through that platform. And so you become a patron by pledging to give a very small amount of money per month or per episode or whatever. And I think it starts at $4. So it's really not that hard to get on board and get involved. But the more people we have that show their support in that way, the more the show can grow. And the more the show can grow, we can add things like buying more equipment and doing interviews and things like that, goals that I have for the show. So please do those two things, and I would really appreciate it. Thanks. So today I'd like to talk about the role of news media in your child's life, in your family's life, and before even getting to all that stuff, let's talk about the role of news media in your life. How do you consume your news? Do you consume news? And have you stopped recently to consider how it affects you and how it might affect the relationships with the children in your life? And we need to talk a little bit about self-care here. It's like they say on an airplane when something's going wrong. you got to put on your own oxygen mask first before you can really help anyone else. And this can be a really tricky topic for people, especially parents and caregivers and people who are really giving and want to take care of the people around them. It can be really hard and feel almost impossible to truly put yourself first. But I love how Sarah Knight puts it. She's the author of a popular series of what kind of started out as a parody, but really, they're really self-help books. And if you haven't heard of her, I'd go check them out on Google. They're really great books, and they're very, very helpful. And in one of her books, she says it like this, Life is short, and you might die tomorrow, so be selfish first. And it's not really what it sounds like. It doesn't really mean not caring about other people. It doesn't truly mean not 
not putting them first, it's more like, I like to think about it like a tree. A tree needs its roots to be grounded in the soil. It needs sun. It needs water. It needs air. All of these things have to happen for the tree to be healthy, for the tree to exist at all. And if those things don't happen first and foremost, the tree isn't going to be good for anything or to anybody else. And so one of the best motivations I found for my own self-care practice is knowing and seeing the results for the other people in, in my life. So if I'm hard on myself on a Sunday night or I overcommit to things or let anxiety run away from me, then I'm not fully present. I'm not my best, highest self for the kids in my group on Monday morning and for my staff. And it shows. And so just knowing this has helped me say no to commitments. Not just because I don't want to do them, which is, you know, that's also just a good enough reason to say no to something too, I think. But also I know if there's something that's an energy drain or a resource depletion, that's stuff that I'm really trying to save for my work or my kids or whoever I feel that I owe it to. And so it's this kind of ironic cycle where if you try to put other people first, it's going to flounder. But if you really commit to putting yourself first and to meeting your own needs first, actually that is the way to actually put other people first or do the best that you can for other people. So there's a little bit of a paradox in there, and it's something that I've been exploring and working with a lot, especially over the last year or so. And for me, it's been really powerful work. Perhaps in a future episode, I'll get even deeper into self-care practices and how to really and truly be your highest best self so that when you turn up for your kids or for your job or for your family, you're really there and you're present and you're filled with power and energy and you're connected to your own self and you're grounded. So that's something I'm going to circle back to. I have a couple other ideas for episodes coming up in the future that have to do with related things like how sensitive we are when we're out in the world or there's a term called empath for people that are really connected to other people's feelings or even animals' feelings, things like that. And there's more that I want to speak to about personality, both in childhood and as caregivers. And I'd like to touch a little bit more on anxiety and things like that. So definitely I have more episodes kind of in this vein coming down the pipe. And if you just kind of stay tuned, you'll see those coming. But for now, let's circle back to this topic of news. Because I don't think people always realize how news or really any negative, emotional, energetic information can affect them. And you kind of sort of download this stuff into your being from other people, or from TV, from a podcast, from movies, even books. It's not just news, but news, especially nowadays, can be a really big source of this kind of downloading of emotional and energetic information into your system. And so what I found in my own life is it can be really valuable to kind of put yourself on a media diet, at least with news. There's such a thing as the slow news movement. Because when we watch cable news, there's that little ticker at the bottom of the screen flying by with information. And there's commercial breaks with their own information. You have people on the screen talking in little boxes off to the right with other people talking, people talking over each other breaking news flashes in the middle of everything and so it can be terribly overstimulating and it's really really negative most of the time because that's what sells news is sort of designed to get our attention to get us tuned in through fear it really feeds our fear and our anxiety and that's what keeps us hooked and coming back for more so we have to be the ones to take control of this to take back our power and make our own decisions about how to best support our healthiest selves 
Another thing is that our attention spans tend to be so fractured nowadays in 2019. There's so many demands upon our attention every minute of the day. Our phones are crying out for attention. They're ringing, buzzing, lighting up, sometimes with news. Sometimes our phone is crying out for our attention while we're watching news on TV, while we're with other people who also want our attention. So there's so many competing demands on our attention. Whereas it used to be, we would give so much more of this attention to the people in our lives, kids or friends, family, whoever they are. And maybe even one at a time, we'd give people their little bit of our attention, their little piece of the pie. And so I've learned that it helps me personally to choose how I consume. I do want to be in touch with the news. I think it's important and it's something that I value. And so something I did about six months ago was I started ordering a real newspaper to come to the house. It comes every day and actually I get a couple. So I'm getting more than one perspective. And I read as much as I can or I read what seems relevant to me that day. Um, and I don't read online anymore because even online you have ads. You have breaking news coming at you and you have the distraction to check your email or check social media, anything like that. And it, I really feel that it just overfills our capacity for new information. We're just full to the brim and we're not designed to hold that much information inside at once. And so now if I see breaking news on a TV when I'm walking by out in the world, I think, okay, great. I'll see that in the paper tomorrow morning if it's really something that important. Because let's be honest, they use that term breaking news for pretty much anything that they're transitioning to on the TV. It's it's anything and everything is counts as breaking news nowadays. So what I found when I handled things this way is I can go deeper. Yesterday on my lunch break, I spent the whole 30 minutes just reading through a series of articles on the same topic had to do with politics. And I had started those articles in the morning and they were kind of in the background of my mind, just kind of thinking about them and going deeper with what's really going on with the story and, and picking it apart. So instead of trying to absorb a whole bunch of different stories all at once, I can just kind of pick a thread that's more relevant to me and go deeper with it. So when I sat down to write out the notes for this episode, I was really thinking about children's exposure to the news media, and it kind of took me off on these tangents with adults and how they process news and how they process information in general and self-care, all really important tangents I feel that deserve to be explored deeper in their own right. So it's 2019, and a question that's on my mind is, how do children see the world and experience the world? What does it feel like, and how is it different than when we were kids? The other night I was driving home, and for some reason I just started thinking about how even a car ride, a simple car ride, is so different than it was when I was a kid in the 90s. I mean, I have a, a map screen up on my phone, it's navigating me around traffic, I can look at the weather on my phone, and I can pretty much download any song created in human history, or at least recorded the history of recording songs, and I can just pull that up and listen to it in the car on the ride home, pretty much for free or very cheap. I do like to subscribe to a service where I pay a small amount so there's no ads. Um, but anyway, in so many ways, things are better, safer for our children than they were for us. We also have to stop and consider things which we did not choose for ourselves, for our children and our families, like the constant and overwhelming presence of news media. Young children are very concrete thinkers, and processing news can be scary, overwhelming, and just plain too much for them. The recent wildfires here in California are a great example. If children see houses on TV burning, then they go outside, they smell the smoke, they see the ash. It's very, very hard or impossible to explain to them that, well, we're safe, those are other houses somewhere else. It doesn't feel that way to them. They feel very concrete about it when they're seeing it. 
And so preschool age children, they're not ready to hear about so many of the things that are on the news. They're not ready to hear about shootings, gun violence, hate, things like that. And if they do get exposed to something really negative, like a natural disaster or school shooting, for example, it's good advice, courtesy of Fred Rogers, to focus on the helpers. So this can be a tricky line to walk, I know. Families also want their children to be prepared for the real world and how to respond when things happen. And here in California, the wildfires, again, are a really unavoidable fact of life for pretty much everyone. And it's great for children to learn how to give back, donating items and materials to those in need, for example. But even at school, on a regular basis, we see how upset and overwhelmed some children can get by a fire drill, a very simple thing. And we even tell them sometimes that we're going to do a fire drill and that they're safe and everything, and it still overwhelms children. So I think the task for each family is to decide how to balance all of this in a way which fits into your value system. Decide what news to consume ahead of time and how you're going to consume it instead of being blasted with it unexpectedly. I turned off news alerts on my phone a couple years ago because they come at the worst time. If I'm getting ready to head into a meeting with a family and my phone alerts me to a terrorist attack overseas, there's nothing I can do about this in the moment, and it's not directly affecting me right here, right now, in this hour, and now I'm distracted. So you need to decide when and how to receive news. And you, as the parent or caregiver, can then choose whether or how to discuss this with your children in a supportive way. It's okay to paint a picture for them, giving very little details on the kind of bad stuff, but maybe entering into an extended conversation over helping others or justice, truth, giving back, things like that, things that you want to cultivate in your children and your family. And most of what I speak to is from experience with preschoolers, age two to five, but even with older children, there's much more information and stimulation available out there than children are ready to handle, even than most of us are ready to handle, depending on the day. You know your children best and can truly be the judge of what's good for them to receive, what's going to be helpful, and what's not, what they're not ready for, what isn't helpful. And when in doubt, limit exposure to news and media. You can always circle back later, but they're not going to be able to unsee what they've already been exposed to. So that's all for today. As I said, I have a couple other episodes in the works to deal with a few related topics, media in general, and personality stuff, temperament, anxiety, and I want to talk a little bit about empath and highly sensitive people, kind of those kind of topics as well. So look for those episodes to be coming up soon. And like I said before, please leave me, leave me a review on iTunes or Spotify if you haven't already. Super helpful. And also please check out my Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash childhoodevolved. And I'll put the link in the show notes as well so that you don't have to try and memorize it. And thank you so much and I'll see you next time.